This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We can't do this alone. Uh, property taxes were never meant to fund uh, what, what amount to social programs, um, and this is a very much a shared uh, responsibility so that we, uh, as governments, have put up significant funds for these programs, but at the same time, we need to have partners uh, in the other governments. So there you go. John Tory earlier today discussing how to uh, approach the gun and gang violence that's plagued the city. All of last year, we certainly noticed a perceptible spike, and uh, it was a record year as far as I was concerned, and it seems to have started off in similar fashion, four gun-related killings in the first month of the new year alone. Uh, what he was suggesting at this regional meeting on gun violence is that all levels of government, needless to say, as you heard, uh, have got to be party to combating this. But are they going about it the right way insofar as what had been mentioned earlier today? Let's find out. Joining us on the line is the head of the Toronto Police Association, Mike McCormick. Mike, good to have you back on board here on The Oakley Show. Yeah, Happy New Year, John. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you. Uh, I don't know if you paid attention to what the mayor and all the other <laughs> regional mayors and police chiefs had to say about it. Uh, how did their, what he had said publicly anyway, uh, how'd that strike you? Uh, again, you know, I'm looking, John, we've had this conversation for, I have to say, years now. I mean, you mentioned a spike. I mean, we had 771 shooting victims 26% increase from 2018. Um, and, you know, part of the narrative around this is, yes, meetings, and we agree with this collaborative approach to finding long-term sustainable solutions, but I really didn't pick up on any sort of long-term sustainable plan or solution from that. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, we've been talking about this for so long. And, and, and even when you look at it, uh, this is not a spike from uh, year to year, but from t- 2014 to uh, today, we've seen a 219% increase in uh, police shooting victims and 178% increase in shooting incidents. So this has been uh, manifesting itself for a number of years. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize it was that much of an uptick uh, as far within the span of five years, up by 219%. Something that they did say, uh, Tory said in the meeting, they didn't focus on a handgun ban as a means to reduce gun violence. Is that a positive development now and a, a shift maybe to more practical solutions? Yeah. And again, you know, that, that's part of the concern that, that we have, uh, you know, as an association, as uh, a police service uh, and representing the members, uh, both civilian and sworn, to go out there and do the work of the people on the street. Um, when we hear stuff like gun bans and, and stuff like that, I, again, we want to see programs that uh, demonstrate that they work, that they actually have, uh, you know, uh, an ability to tackle. Let's talk about what it is: uh, gun violence and gang violence, which go hand in hand. And, and you know, does a, 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 a municipal gun ban really have an impact on somebody carrying what is already an illegal firearm, using it for an illegal purpose? So, you know, I, I'm glad that the, they've moved away from that, and let's get some real long-term solutions uh, for dealing with what is an inherent long-term, like I say, manifestation of a gun and violence uh, problem. So what would you proffer by way of a solution? I mean, it's kind of interesting to me. I mean, uh, the rank and file represented by you as a head of the association, not invited to these confabs, but the police chief is and other police chiefs. I guess they're going through the direct chain of command here. But uh, what would your rank and file proffer as solutions? Yeah, again, you know, we, we look at this as a, a collaborative uh, approach, and there there's no single solution. Like everybody, you know, you heard from the minister saying, well, we got to toughen up on bail. We got, you know, and then you hear them talking about uh, possible gun bans and all these other things. But it is a 
an issue that requires a long-term commitment. We agree with the whole uh, consistent investment in marginalized uh, communities, our communities at risk, or any social uh, sort of framework or, or net um, that has to be dealt with. Um, but we have had a, a long-term issue around policing and making sure we have properly resourced uh, police service and having the right amount of officers deployed at the right amount of time. And we've been working as an association. We're just, John, I don't know if you're aware, but we're piloting new shifts so we can accomplish that. But we're down, like I said, almost 800 officers uh, from what we were in 2014 as well. And what we've seen is a 59% decrease in provincial offense tickets. And what that means is that we're stopping less people. And that doesn't mean like, you know, two or 3,000. These are hundreds of thousands of less provincial offense tickets that we write every year. We're down from 57,000 frontline arrests down to 28,000, almost cut in half. So what that shows to me is a lack of engagement because our police officers have been going to call the call. Uh, one of the long-term solutions around that is we've adjusted our shifts and we also finally got the police service board and the Toronto police service to increase the hiring so we could have the right amount of police officers because now we can say how many officers we need, where they need to be deployed as one of the mechanisms to deal with this ongoing violence. Mike McCormick, head of the Toronto Police Association, on the uh, confab that the mayor called earlier today with district mayors as well as uh, the police chiefs to fight the gun and gang violence. Just out of curiosity, I just wanted to back up a little bit. When you talked about the number of offenses that are being written up uh, are down by like 59% because of manpower, (laughs) did anybody crunch the numbers to say, you know, if we actually had uh, written up uh, many more offenses, some of which I'm, I'm guessing are traffic-related and people paid fines. I don't know where the money is channeled, but would that offset the cost of the increased manpower? Yeah, again, like the, the personnel costs would, uh, are offset. But like, like you said, John, we're not talking about like the tens of thousands. We're talking about hundreds of thousands. I think the number is almost 252,000 uh, less provincial offense tickets. Like, we're talking about significant numbers here, and, and it does have an impact. But what's more important for me as somebody who lives in the city and, and you know, uh, um, in policing in the city is that as a police officer, when you're, you're doing traffic enforcement and you're doing these types of, of provincial offense tickets, often, you know, that leads to a different type of investigation and you're stopping more people and you're investigating more things. And, and that could lead to di- different things, uh, like different uh, potential criminal things, all kinds of things that could lead, uh, and I've often seen in, in my career, lead to arrests where, you know, subsequent to pulling somebody over for one offense, you end up finding that they're in possession of a firearm or all kinds of stuff. So it, what it, what is really scary to me is it just shows a, a lack of having the right resources to have that type of proactive engagement, and that's one of the reasons we work so hard to uh, change the shift model. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, changing uh, the model because we've got the Solicitor General, Sylvia Jones. You mentioned the minister was there today at uh, this briefing or discussion as well. She talked about the government needing to change the criminal code as it pertains to gun-related crimes and bail. Uh, Right. What does she have in mind, and uh, did you find her suggestions productive? Well, again, I think this has been part of the narrative of a quick, simple solution. And, you know, we have, as she referred to, the criminal code and federal legislation, and people have rights that have to be adhered to. But what, again, when, you know, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but, and this is my job as the association president, but, you know, also when I looked at it, we have many, many people who are out on bail and have to be adhering to those conditions. But if we don't have people out to check up 
are the right amount of resources to check up on these people to make sure that they're adhering to these conditions. And you can put as many conditions as you want on these people. You still have to have the, the people to go out and make sure we have, for instance, what we used to have, uh, bail compliance units that would go on and, and check out on these people, check up on these people. And when they breach, they would be rearrested. So it, it can't be a half measure. You can't put these things in and then say, okay, well, we have no way to enforce it. It's, it's, it's like the gun ban. Like you have to have a sustainable long-term solution with the resources for that. Are you saying they've disbanded the bail compliance unit entirely? Well, we, we did, yeah, years ago, and uh, we started this attack uh, to modernization. And, uh, you know, now that, uh, again, that the service is recognized and we've had some conversations with the chief and stuff like that about, you know, making sure that we now uh, can have the resources to check up on, on bail. Yeah, it was disbanded. Uh, and now we're getting back into that because this is a necessary thing to do. Like I said, you got people on bail. That's really great. But you must, must have uh, the resources to uh, ensure that they are adhering to the bail. Again, with Mike McCormick, heads of Toronto Police Association. Let me just switch gears here because there's another interesting development as far as policing is concerned. As we paid attention over the last couple of years, it seems like more of them are uh, suffering from PTSD. We know there's been a spate of suicides tragically with the OPP. Uh, Now there's word that a retired York Regional Police officer is hoping to launch Ontario's first treatment facility dedicated to first responders, police officers, and the like who suffer PTSD and mental illness. Uh, Good idea, and how prevalent is PTSD and mental illness within the ranks? Yeah, again, you know, the type of work that we do in policing, the type of stuff that you see, and and, and actually I think statistically I think we're 40% higher than the general population for experiencing PTSD. It's just the nature of being a work of a police officer and a first responder. So it is, and that, you know, John, as you're aware, now we have presumptive legislation around PTSD. Um, and this is something that we didn't even talk about 25, 30 years ago when I joined this job. And I, I think it's long overdue. I think that uh, it's really important. And that's one of the things that we look at from an association perspective, to make sure our members' physical and mental uh, health is taken care of. So, you know, we support a variety of programs, anything that would improve our members' health and wellness. So, um, you know, if, if if she can come up with something that will uh, augment the many programs that we're already involved in, um, because obviously one size doesn't fit everybody, then we support anything that gets people who uh, may be in crisis uh, or potentially uh, facing a crisis to get the help that they need, and we encourage that. Well, so where do we stand right now? Are there adequate treatment programs for the Toronto Force, for example? Well, again, uh, you know what? We support anything that augments it or does that, but we, we have a very robust very robust uh, program. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, We at the association have our own employee family assistant uh, uh, consultant on staff. The police service has uh, the same thing. We provide assessment. We get network with other associations. Mental health, we also support many programs like Beyond the Blue, uh, all kinds of things, uh, and we, we are really on top. Of, of making sure that our members get the help they need. But like I say, if somebody else can bring something else to the table, we welcome it. Well, yeah, and paramedics, I'm guessing firefighters as well, would require something along those lines sure. too because they're obviously in the front yeah. lines when it comes to, yeah. uh, you know. Mike, good yeah. to talk as always. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, we'll see if there's anything of consequence coming from the meeting that the mayor held today with regional mayors and police chiefs. Thanks for your input. Thanks, and that would be nice to see some tangible uh, plan. You got it. Mike McCormick, you got it. Head of the Toronto Police Association. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 